Hello, and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited, as I always am, to be sitting here with my guest today, who we chatted a little bit a week ago, and I think you may be one of the first people I... Rumored to be the, one of the first people I ever met when I first moved to Calgary 20 That's years ago. That's so crazy. I know, it. it's like... Uh, wow. I, I mean, I can't uh, believe we've both been here that long. Absolutely. So I'm sitting here with Miss Tanya Eklund. Good morning, Tanya. Good morning, Tyler. How are you? Mm. I'm excellent. How are you? I am fantastic. It's sunny and beautiful. And because I can't look down, I don't see the snow right now outside. <laughs> it's a beautiful Calgary day, not a cloud in the sky. So we'll go with that. Thanks for joining me on the show today. I'm really looking forward to, I think yours is a great example of someone I quote unquote know, yes. but I don't really know your whole story. Yeah. So maybe let's start, just open up with the audience for anyone hasn't had the privilege or hasn't met you, which I'm most people... I believe you, you're very well known in town. So what do, you, what do you do? What keeps you busy day to day? So I have a real estate company. It's called the Tanya Eklund Group. Uh, I'm an aff- affiliate of Remax Central. And uh, I'm a mom and I'm a wife. And uh, that's kind of the Coles Notes version of who I am. So those are those are at least two full-time jobs right there that you said inside the zoo. How long have you been a realtor? You've been doing this like, 19 years. In yeah. August it was 19 years. So yeah. when you moved to Calgary back in back in 2000, yeah. uh, did you move here? You were you a realtor at that time or did no. you come here to start that career? No, I am a university dropout. I dropped out of the University of Alberta after almost 3 years. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer and uh, I probably watched too many law and order episodes. And it seemed so romantic and uh, dropped out because real estate presented itself through my best friend at the time, her boyfriend's brother was a realtor. Okay. And so I drove up here, I was stressed out and from school and I met with him and then three weeks later I moved here and joined his brokerage. And at that time, Remax Central had been the number one Remax brokerage in the world based on closed transactions per year and I thought... You know, it's expensive to be there, but if I want to be the best, I need to work with the best. And so I started with Remax Central, and I've been with them for 19 years, and then I started my own company under Remax Central, and I have nine people on my team. Oh, congratulations. When, how long for team when you started to when you actually started adding team members under your, under you? Well, I think I tried at year four or five, and it was an epic fail because I wasn't busy enough to have an agent. And what okay. I realized is I needed a really good admin. And so it was probably year five or six that I added an admin, and then probably year seven and eight that I actually added an agent. Okay, so so that's easy to track. So 2005, 2006, yeah. Calgary's really like you're you're riding this yeah, fantastic wave as we all really were at well. the time. Yeah. And what happened in 08? Did was that did that him by 08, 09, 10? Well, it definitely hit our mark at the financial crash. We had just built a home, I remember too, and in in July two thousand and eight. Uh, eight months from there. I mean, we saw an average of a 15% decline in the average sale price. It was quick. It was fast. Um, the down markets are are usually a little bit better for experienced realtors because people don't call their best friend's brother who just got into real estate. They're going to call someone who has experience, negotiating experience, marketing um, ability. And so the down markets are usually a little bit more lucrative, but also a lot more stressful because you're managing these heightened feelings and expectations that aren't there when the market is good. Which we will get into it, but I'm, you know, what we're dealing with right now, yes. I'm assuming is, because 2008, example. 2009 kind of came and went. Yes. It felt like, you know, living in Calgary, well, yeah, it was like a little six months blip and then everything kind of came back That's online, right. if you if you will. Exactly. Not currently, but let, we'll, we'll, say, we'll save that. Okay. So where did you grow up? Where are you from? What's your background? I grew up in rural Alberta, central rural Alberta. It's called Wetaskiwin and there used to be an old jingle called Cars Cost Less in Wetaskiwin. That's where I grew up. So I think for like 13,000 people, there were like seven car dealerships still today. 
and I grew up in a in a rural community in a ranching farming community my grandfather was a farmer and we grew up just across the field I could walk across the field to my grandparents house and we grew up on an acreage my both my parents were nurses my father was a psychiatric nurse in Pinoca on the brain injury unit and my mother was a pediatric nurse and then my father was also an evangelical minister so I grew up as what we call a PK kid which is a pastor's kid a pastor's kid yes I've heard DK dealer's kid I knew somebody <laughs> so I'm sure in that town there was a bunch of those oh I'm sure there there's was. some guys in my tech group and they're like oh I'm a DK I'm like what is a DK he's like I'm a dealer's kid I'm like Mug. is that like a pharmacist or? yeah no growing, growing, growing up in a car dealership environment oh yeah so I had a couple guys well, in one of my of dealers, yes so. if I, fair enough I wasn't going to go there you, you had me at the car analogy from earlier that's interesting you grew up. I had the same situation. My parents had a farm. I grew up on a working farm. But my grandparents' house was like on the corner of the farm. Oh. They carved out a lot. And literally as a kid, I was the first grandchild. So I used to hang out with my grandparents all the time. And That's looking back, so how cool. realizing now how influential that was, yes. that I could just walk over and hang out with my I grandfather for the day. awesome. I used it was to amazing. You don't realize it because it's no, just life. it's mm. just your life. But looking back, you know, I got to you know, my grandpa had a fish pond and we do fishing together. And my grandma had beautiful gardens. And I remember picking strawberries and staying at their house. And my mom fell very ill when I was sick. She almost died of a very rare disease. So I actually lived with my grandparents for a year. Well, she recovered. Yes. So, so powerful. Like I know for me, my, both my grandparents, my grandmother was just a going concern far. <laughs> like she grew up on the farm, was involved in every local committee. Those were fantastic role models to me yes. growing up. Similar for you. you Absolutely. Very fond memories of my grandparents. And I'm very close with my family. I talked to my parents probably at least twice a week. Uh, awesome. Very close. They, we have a very tight, tight-knit family. So you must have grown up pretty heavily in the church then as a, as, I did. As, as a, as a PK. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, Sunday church was not an option to miss. And I remember my mom fighting with me because when I was young, I didn't want to wear dresses and I'd fall asleep in the pews. And um, but, but I mean, it really... <laughs> you mean you were a kid being forced to do something and so you just exactly. automatically didn't want to exactly. do it, of course. And now, I mean, being a mom, you know, my husband and I attend church regularly. It's a big part of our lives. So it's funny looking back and now our girl are going through those same things. I can't get them into dresses. They don't want to go some mornings. And I'm like, oh, payback. <laughs> I've, I've heard, I don't have children, but yes, I've heard from anyone. Yes. My business partner is, I know he said oftentimes his mom is like, oh, Chad, this is exactly, oh, yes, you're just, you're just experiencing it's what you so experienced. True. How old are your daughters? <laughs> uh, Ruby just turned three last week and uh, Ophelia will be six in a couple weeks in December. So three and six. And they're ah. lots of fun. So relatively new additions in terms yes. of you on your life path. Yes. How was that? Was that a big change? Huge was change. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you know what? I Now looking back, I mean, I think as before you have kids, when you're whether you're in business for yourself or you work with someone, you think, how is this going to work? Because let's be honest, mat leave doesn't pay you what you make, right? For, right? for women who are employed. And so as a business owner, especially, I thought, well, how is this going to work? Because I was at, when I had Ophelia, I was at the height of my business. And I'm thinking, how on earth am I going to do this? And so we've always had um, assistance raising our daughters. We've always had a nanny. That's been a very big part of our lives. And uh, it's so funny because it just works. And then you have the first and you're in routine and you have your nanny and you have your life and you're like, oh, this is easy. And then you're like, oh, wait a second. How is, I'm never going to be able to do this with two. And then you have two and you're like, oh, this was actually just as easy as having one. And so I'm a huge advocate of if, if you're a woman in the workforce or a man in the workforce, um, 
and you both want to work and that's both important to you, then there's nothing shameful in having help. And um, I'm very blessed that I've had very good caregivers for my daughters. I've had a few throughout the years. And uh, they are such a huge part of our lives. They live with us. We love them. They're family. We treat them like they're family. They travel with us. Um, They eat with us. And uh, I'm just a huge advocate of if you want to work out of the house, that's okay. I read Sheryl Sandberg's book called Lean In. Mm -hmm. And uh, that really resonated with me because it was about being a working mom. And there's actually studies done of um, women who work out of the house and how their kids are raised and how they grow up and how well they do outside the house with working parents. And so it was a really great book for me to read. I think Ophelia was about three. And as a mom, you always have mom guilt, especially when you first have these babies. And I didn't take any time off. I was showing houses the day after I had them. I did five deals for my delivery bed. Epidural. <laughs> and to know you, I'm not surprised that you did that. Always going. was We used to be neighbors. We lived yes, a couple of times. I don't know how many times I'd look out. Just You know, you just look out in the street and there you are in your car doing a deal on the phone, walking up and down the sidewalk, chatting away. What you didn't see is the breast pump probably in there too. I didn't notice. I did not notice that. If I did, I, that would, yeah, okay. I did not notice that. That's awesome. Touche. Well played. No, I, I did not. I did not notice that. So interesting. So it's got to be such a critical decision. I, I like what you said about these people are part of your lives. Oh my gosh. Because they become yeah. role models and mentors and they become such they a, such influences around beliefs and different cultures that yes. they're being exposed to. That's got to be so like a bit jarring, but when you get it right, it must be so rewarding. Oh my gosh. Well, and our, our longest nanny, Marizen, we had for four years and Marizen was like a sister to me and she really raised my daughters during the day when I wasn't there and they looked at her like a second mom and some stay-at-home moms might, you know, they might cringe because that's their calling to stay at of home. Course. And I have and so okay. much respect for stay-at-home moms because I actually think that is the hardest job in the world. I just had a calling to be a working mom and to and to be out there and start my own business. And I think that both are such amazing and so important jobs and they're just different and God made us all differently. Uh, yeah, we were all the same world. It would be a very, very boring place. It would so, be. Yeah, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. I'm so curious about it. So when you've, when you've got... Uh, individuals like that that you trust implicitly you said like your like your sister you must spend a lot of time with them talking about their beliefs and because oh, you know, when you're raising it's the, it's the it's not the big magnitude lessons mm-hmm. it's those little things every day yes that 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 start to program these little minds yes mm. it's so true and I think we we were very blessed um, we have been very blessed to have excellent caregivers for our daughters and uh they all share similar beliefs to what we do, which is really important. Um, so they've, they've really fostered that within our children. And, um, you know, it's uh, our little girls asked to pray before bed. You know, it's, it's their request. And so that is a big part of our lives. And that's been a big part of our caregivers' lives. Which is uh, alignment around beliefs, like they say, nothing nothing will cause a challenge, like whether it's in the workplace, uh, is this, that, that a misalignment on beliefs. It, it's so true. Because you can all, yeah, everything sounds great like this, yeah. but when it really comes, push comes to shove, and, yeah. and you get into situations where those things show up, I think they show up very quickly and can show up very boldly if they're not, if they're not aligned. Yes, yeah. So I, I really appreciate your position around, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be whoever you are, but if you're going to be, go all in. If you're going to be yes. a stay at home mom, that's great. You chose to be a working mom, but you created an infrastructure. You created the world around you that allowed mm-hmm. you to support that. Yes. That's, oh, that's, 
Well, and they and, say, and I've it, met I'm both sure. your daughters. They're yeah. they're amazing, and and your husband constantly. Um, I see them doing constantly cute things on Instagram all the yes. time. He posts a lot of pictures. He of does. My he's a very like, well, for, certainly from his Instagram. He's a very engaged, loving he, dad, I'm which is awesome. Lucky. Yes. How long have you guys been married? We've been married twelve years together for thirteen. That's awesome. Yeah, we we met, got engaged, and married in under a year. Oh wow! And I think he bought my ring in the second month. He did. I don't think he might dispute that a bit, but it was the second month. <laughs> we have to do a fact check. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. fact checked. And then we were engaged four months after we met. It was very quick. Interesting. Yeah. And was that just you found we your soul, found your soulmate? I found my person. And were you? I'm just curious because yeah. very career oriented woman. Yeah. Grew up sounded like very independent. Very like I'm moving to Calgary. I'm doing what I want to do. Yes. Were getting married, having kids, was that part of the plan, or oh, did 100%. it? Oh, hundred percent. I knew I always wanted to be a mom. And I knew I wanted to be married. That marriage was a, a, I mean, it was just the natural progression in my life. And I, I met Chad when I was 26. He was 33 and we were, you know, married at 27 and 34. And we waited though five years to have kids. We really, we really got to know each other more. Um, We traveled a lot. And so we really enjoyed ourselves. And so we had kids later in life. I mean, Chad's, you know, I'm 39, Chad's 45 and we're Mm -hmm. done now. And uh, so, you know, where I met someone for lunch last week and she had her kids, her first child when she was 21 and then 23. And now, you know, she's just a bit older than me and her kids are moving out almost. It's so many different, yeah, so many different cycles and there's no right way to do it. There isn't. I mean, she even said like they were so poor when they had their first child, you know, having kids young, I think provides a whole different types of challenges. It does. But now, she's 43 and her kids her one kid's gone and there's one left at home so what a shift completely different life yeah but I don't look at it and envy it because it's not my life 100% you know my life I love my life I say I love being me I love the person that I've become I love 30s way more than my 20s and I hope I love my 40s more than my 30s. <laughs> my theory is if you're, if you're doing it quote unquote right, it should always get better. I know, right? Because you know what? I'm smarter than I was last year, hopefully. I'm applying these lessons in an effective way. I'm yeah. learning to, you know, I think you learn to fall in love with yourself a little totally, bit more as you get you older. Do. And there's a lot of freedom that comes yeah, from that. There is. The outside Agreed. world matters a little bit less and yes. the inside voice matters a lot more. Totally. I think that's very freeing. Yeah, it is. So Kira, I'm always, I love to see people, like part of the show is I meet people that are very successful. You're very successful, well known around town uh, any big stumbles like even that you, you you left school at three and a half years in yeah there must have been some people from the outside that are like what are you doing what's well, I going think it on was, was there I, any just of that a correction it was almost it was almost three i think it was oh, like two three. and three quarter years okay all of a <laughs> at that period of your life though that's a considerable amount of time but i like i, pre- I appreciate specifics <laughs> and sorry what was the question tyler was that was the people look at you go what are you doing you're, you're quitting you know you're giving up no, or it was just not you know at what all. okay I, I don't think um You know, I had moved on from high school, so I had a couple of really good friends I still kept in touch with. One was in university, one went to college. The rest of the, most of the rest of my friends actually stayed in Wetaska and got married, have. You know, oh, I grew up. Children. I grew up in a small town. Yeah. I'm very familiar yeah. with that. They move one house yeah, over, buy totally. the house. From That's the, right. Yeah. Or stay on their parents' farm. Yeah. And um, and so no. And my parents were. I have had the most supportive parents a girl could ever ask for. So, I remember telling my dad that look, I'm going to go and get a university education. But if something better comes along, a better opportunity, I'm going to take it. And I did. And they were all, they were, my parents have always been my number one fan and I've always felt that of them. So there was no, you're making a mistake. What are you doing? They were like, yeah, that, 
sounds amazing, you know? I don't know what they were really thinking inside, but, you know, what they, they vocalized. But they were yeah, supportive. They were, what they vocalized is they were very supportive, and I felt that. So, no, I never had any pushback that I recall from anybody. That's huge. And I think having that supportive network, and not everyone has that, yes. to be honest. Yeah, you know, very, I, I look back lucky. and I was like, how was your growing up? I'm like, it was amazing. Like, my parents were great. The amount yeah. of shenanigans they put up with for me while simultaneously <laughs> being supportive as I changed careers and grew and end up like, I'm moving out west. They're like, sure, okay, we totally support you. You know, I think that was a tough one because I did move away, like yes. 3,000 miles away. That, 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 that was, was probably that was looking, tough for your mom. Yeah. Mom, am I, am I, I used to, because I grew up in the farm, I worked a lot with my dad. Oh, so very so tough. We spent for a lot of time together. Well. And I think, but of course, he didn't want to show that because yes. I, he comes from the stoic the, yes. we're going to call that the stoic yeah. generation yes we don't talk about our feelings no, we no push feelings. those down we deal That's with those right. another day <laughs> then we get older and, and and we learn so you move to calgary you've got going in your business uh, we touched on this or you you're starting a new podcast yes the voice of women yes it's vow, vow the but, voice of women t- tell us a little bit about that so i was doing vlogs and i i f- i feel like now is a really amazing time to be a woman. And there's this huge support system, especially on social media, of women supporting women instead of women beating women down. And I think women, and I'm in general, are very hard on themselves. And I'm not saying men aren't sometimes as well. And we need to lift each other up. We need to be supportive. And I know so many strong women, not just entrepreneurs, um, I have a woman that I've asked to be on my podcast that, um, is in, is, you know, has a business, but also wanted a child. And so she's taken it upon herself cause she couldn't find a man, you know? And so she's going to be a single mom on with her own choice. And so to me, that is so inspiring. So daunting. Um, I have women who are employees, um, but you know, have had large families. I have entrepreneurial women. And I think there's so many great stories of women in Calgary that I wanted there to be a platform that we could share, be vulnerable. As we were saying, I think this vulnerability is a a real trending thing right now, but it is so true. Sometimes admitting that you're wrong, admitting that you don't know, um, that's That's okay that you don't know. Yeah, that's okay. I sometimes say to clients, you know, well, Tanya, what do you think we should do because of this market? You know, do you think we should hold on a year or two? And I give them a little bit of rough information on stats, but at the end of the day, sometimes I say, guys, you need to do what's right for you today because the honest answer is, I don't know what the market's going to be like in two years from now. I have maybe my own um, hypotheses based on economic reports that I read, but I honestly don't know. And so that vulnerability side, I think, has been hidden in business for so long, especially with leaders, because leaders are afraid to be judged. And you and I were chatting before, and I said, can you imagine if politicians started to be vulnerable? And, and yes, the first might be sacrificed, but I think it would really open up um, a society that we have not seen before. And, and maybe that's the extreme, but vulnerability and leadership, I believe, is one of the keys to being a successful leader. It's okay to tell people that you don't know. It's okay to tell people that you're having a bad day. It's okay. You know, I did my team meeting yesterday and we did a one word open. And that just sets the tune for how, how are you? It, it's that gauge. If everyone's good, happy, content, that's great. But if someone says depressed, frustrated, um, horrible, um, you know, okay, 
that's good to know. Let's dive into that before we start our hour meeting. It's so key. And for anyone who hasn't done that, the one word open is literally exactly what it sounds like. Everyone sits around a room and you go around and everyone says what the first word that comes to mind that's representative to where they're at that day. That's right. It's so simple, but it's powerful. It is. And uh, thank goodness yesterday everyone was, was well, one, one of my gals said frustrated, but we chatted about that, but no one was horrible. And uh, it, it's okay to admit failure. I've been wrong. I've messed up in my career. And I actually like, I actually like being vulnerable. I don't know if that's weird, but I like admitting when I'm wrong because I actually think it's a, it's a sign of strength and not weakness. And I think if we can get our heads wrapped around that, I believe that it could change our businesses and change our culture within our businesses. And I know you have worked very hard on your culture, Tyler. Thank you. And uh, starting with myself, growing up in a rural farming community as a guy, was saying you're wrong or saying you're weak or tired or hungry, those were unacceptable things. Yes, yeah. And I saw so many of these guys that I grew up with as role models that just like they almost, they, they literally made themselves ill mm-hmm. by keeping it all bottled up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, you learn so much from the people around you what to do, but sometimes what to do differently. Yes. And seeing that. And I think it's trending because because it's needed, yes. but we've glamorized it. Hollywood glamorizes the one-dimensional leader who never has, always has, you know, the military-style leader, <laughs> whether it's guys or girls, it doesn't matter. And usually, oftentimes, when they portrayed female leaders in Hollywood, they were portrayed like these stoic men. It wasn't yes. realistic. Yeah, it wasn't. Because you know, very few females are that hardcore and don't show emotion. And uh, I, I believe that that's actually the asset to having a woman, a woman COO, CEO, CFO. You get a broader perspective. You get a broader perspective and you get that emotional side that a man may not be able to provide or may not be willing to provide. Yes, I think willing and able, that's a, that's a slippery <laughs> slope right there. Because sometimes it's a new skill. And that's like right. anything, you have to practice it. That's right. And yes, probably going to feel weird and uncomfortable. Yeah. Like you said, is it weird? Usually at first it is. Yes. But anything, go to the gym, go try a new sport. The first couple times, it's probably a bit weird. Yeah. Five times later, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I kind of got the feel for this. this. But we treat we treat things anymore. this way, the philosophical, the psychological side is not like that. If it was yes. a physical activity, there's no expectation you're going to be good at it the first time you try. That's right. Give us, you know, cut, cut them some slack. <laughs> exactly. I think we're so hard on ourselves. And uh, I think we're I, experts at it. <laughs> yeah, we are. And I've cried in front of my staff. It doesn't happen often, but there, there have been a couple of times in the last couple of years where I have walked in and felt defeated with something. And it was the real emotion. And I could have gone to the bathroom or sat in my car, but I think it's important for your employees and the people around you to see, oh, okay, she's having a bad day too. I had a really bad day yesterday, but no one knew about it. And just get it out in the open. Um, and I think that that is uh, that will only strengthen the, the the team and the people around you and your well, relationships. Because it's all we're all just having a human experience. That's and when right. we go to work, you don't park the human part at the door. No, because you bring it. You know the whole. That's you, right. Like you are your life, and it intertwines. So even in the last twenty years, have you seen a, sh- a huge shift as of being a, a young woman in business mm-hmm. coming into was 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 realtor. Is it men, women? Is there a balance? Is it pretty even? You know what? When I got into it, I actually went into an office that was known to be an old man's club. Okay. And there were actually bets on how long I was going to last. Oh, this is a good story. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I found this out a couple of years later. It's like later. a plot to a movie yep. somewhere. And I remember walking in and it was probably the fourth or fifth week being there. And this gentleman, middle-aged at the time, walked up to me and he said, so what are your goals? And I'm like, oh, like what type of goals? And he's like, well, what do you want to make in a year? And uh, I was like, oh, I, I said, I, I think I want to make 100000 my first year. And keep in mind, this is 
August of 2000, Absolutely. right? And, you, and you're the um, new young yeah. girl in the yeah. old boys club. What's the whole story yeah, here? Yeah, totally. And he's like, good luck with that. And I'm like, huh. Hmm. I was like, okay, well, we'll see. Well, I did do. Ch- I did. Ch- challenge yeah, accepted. Challenging, uh, yeah. challenge accepted, challenge completed, successful. And about two years ago, he actually asked to join my team. Oh, wow. How did that feel? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, it wasn't, I didn't gloat or I didn't, I just thought, yep. isn't that interesting? You know, and I kept it to myself. Um, and, and it w- wasn't a fit for my team. R- really quite nice fellow, you know. Um, oh, back to fit. Back to, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. But, but for that, you, I find those little moments of you're like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, hmm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A little reflect yeah. on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah not about gloating. Yeah, no, but, no, no. But, you, but still be aware of it. Yeah, and I think when I joined, I was so young. I mean, I was the youngest female, definitely, maybe even in the city. And it was an old boys club. And that's really transformed. I, I don't think I really felt that for a long period of time. And I always looked at my... I didn't... I've never looked at people like... Um, tall or short or black and white or male and female. I've, I just look, and maybe that's a part of my upbringing. I just look at them as a person. And so I never really cornered myself into this, oh, I'm this poor female realtor and people treat me differently. And I actually, if anything, looked at being female as an advantage because I was able to share emotion and I was able to share the side of me, this caring and nurturing side for my clients. And so I never, that was maybe, I walked into an old boys club, but I never, I never really felt like they always really welcomed me and I never felt at odds or I never felt odd or young or I, I just kind of blended in. But I, I think a part of that is I worked my ass off, you know, <laughs> yes. and, and so I think people saw that. And so I wasn't this fleeting idea. I was there to stay. And even within the industry with some of the older realtors, some of the older women realtors, the way they treated me at the beginning, fast forward 10, 15 years, is a complete 180. Okay. And so I think that once you prove yourself, and this is probably similar regardless of sex in any industries, that there's this level of respect. Okay, she's earned her Earned her seat at the table. Earned the seat at the table. She's doing well. And so I just, I kind of just put my head down, Tyler, and I didn't really care about if there was that type of thing going on. I more care if I'm being vulnerable about what my clients think more than what other realtors At the end of the think. day, that's who always matters yes. for any of us in a service, yeah. service-based business. So my competition, I, I always say, one of the things I preach when I speak is don't wish away your competition because your competition is who will make you be better and it will give you the want to be better. So I have competition. I face it every day. And, but I don't wish that they weren't there because those realtors have, have made me sit back and think, okay, what can I do differently? Uh, what can I change? How can I exceed my client's expectations? And so they've pushed me to a level that if they weren't there, I wouldn't, probably maybe want the urge to be better in some cases. Of course, cases. the iron sharpens iron. Yeah, yeah and so, all those analogies. Exactly. Now, as long as that competition is, is playing on the same playing field, you know, as long as things are equal, and that isn't always the case. There's cheaters and liars and that type of thing. And yes. But most of my competition is really great. And I'm actually friends, very good friends with a lot of my competition. And we, we even joke, you know, I'll call up, you know, one guy and be like, so did you do the listing presentation at such and such? And he'll be like, yep. 
Well, I'm sure you're ba- you're bumping into each other all we the are. time. We are. Has the last couple of years has it kind of shook out the the weed in the chaff kind of thing? Um, have the good rise to the top? You mentioned earlier about a downturn market. We've been in this for now two, three, four. From a real estate perspective, five. What, five <laughs> yes, I'm like three, four. You're like no, Tyler, go higher. Yeah, go higher. Five years. Last five years has it has it really separated the good from the. I, from the outside, it looks like people sometimes just jump into the real estate market. Like, oh, this is going to be easy. I'll <laughs> yes. be a realtor, easy money. I'll do it after work. And then there's the people I know like yourself who mm-hmm. this is your career. You've taken this very seriously. And I think, in, <clears throat> yes, to answer your question, oftentimes the down markets, kind of the cream rises to the top, I would say. And uh, so we do lose agents. I mean, I remember when I took the course, uh, you know, 19 years ago, the, the fellow instructing it said in three to four years from now, there'll be two to three of you still selling real estate. And I think when I looked five years later, there was four of us. Out still, of, how, out out of, of how 43. Many? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that, so that makes the statement right there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, and I know many people who have come into the business in the last few years and left, but I also know many people who have stayed. And so I, I think it just creates an environment where it is more competitive and uh, you have to be more innovative. You know, when people scale down, I scale up. Right. And, uh, you know, that I think you know, sets agents a different. Are you cutting your marketing or are you adding marketing? You know, last year I used to source all my social media and marketing out. And I thought, well, why am I doing that when I could have someone in-house for not much more? So Mm -hmm. I hired someone that is educated Haley in digital marketing and social media. And she is with me Monday to Friday, you know, eight to four moonlights outside of that a bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's been, it's really, um, catapulted my business because she knows me so intimately. Well, and as a marketer, I saw the shift Yes, from the outside. Oh, good. I'm like, Oh, Tanya's doing something different. Our Instagram is changing. Yes. Absolutely. So it was very, yeah. it was noticeable that, yeah. that, you, that you leaned in. Exactly. And so I, I, that wage was an extra wage in a downturn. But what it's doing is it's servicing my listings in a way that someone else couldn't or perhaps another realtor isn't doing. Right. And so when people, you know, and I don't get asked often, will you cut your fees? Because people know the marketing plan that I bring to the table. That's not an objection that I get anymore. Interesting. People are calling me That's powerful because you created a clear line of what value is. Yeah, exactly. So very rarely would I even get that question because the answer is no. And uh, we offer... In case anyone's listening. Yeah, in case anyone's (laughs) listening. And, uh, you know, we have a very uh, upscale marketing plan and that is what is going to sell your home and that is why you hire me, not because I'm going to give you $2,000 off your $2 million home or half a million dollar home. Yes. And, uh, you know, but, uh, but yeah, definitely the down markets, you, you definitely see people kind of drop off. Uh, I, I can I can only imagine because it happens in in every industry. Uh, the real estate industry seemed like it would be a little bit more prone to that because there was people I knew that just were moonlighting. They yes. weren't really doing it seriously. Yeah, it's almost different than our world. But everyone's a marketer. Yes, everyone's a real estate agent <laughs> in an up mar- in, an, in an up market. Yes, like in Toronto right now. The last few years, I know so many people like, oh no, yeah, I could take less for the salary because I don't. Worry, I do real estate on the side. Oh my gosh, I'm like I can't that's imagine. such a different. That's a whole. That's it's a whole like nother twenty four seven. This yeah. job. Yes, I, I've, as living as your neighbor, I've watched you twenty four seven doing doing your thing. Um, you mentioned earlier that you don't you don't proclaim to project the future, but you, what's your crystal ball look like? Any any insights well, for any, if for, I for had a crystal ball, Tyler, I would say based on current economic factors, and I won't get into hard statistics, but I look at okay, we've just been through oh fifteen oh sixteen oh seventeen oh eighteen and almost oh nineteen. So like we were saying, five years. I look at if the market is going to change, the real estate market. 
what is changing in the economy to make that effect on the real estate market? Cause and, and I, effect. Yeah, mm. cause and effect. I don't see any change because we've just been through a new election. We have the same government with the same problems. Yes. And so... Not being vulnerable. <laughs> not yet, not being vulnerable. And so for, for Alberta, you know... Yes. And, and so I don't see any relative change in Calgary's real estate economy unless we get things like massive tech, com- tech companies, cancer clinics, something that is going to give a big influx of white-collar net migration. Because we did have 12,000 people move to Calgary last year, but a lot of those 12,000 people were immigrants and refugees, and they're not necessarily getting into the home buying market. And so we need an influx of, of working people in the workforce. We need increased employment. And until that happens, I can't honestly say that there's going to be a change in real estate. So I hope things don't get worse. I hope that our, our listings to sales ratio can go towards a more balanced market. But if you're asking me today, it's still very much a buyer's market and has been for five years. Yes. I'm, I'm the same with you. People are like, oh, it's going to get better. I'm like, there's always that. You don't want to be the naysayer, but yeah. based on what? Like, do yes. you see something I'm yes. not so seeing? So what is going to be the cause of a better market. the real estate is the byproduct of something else. It is, that's it's, it's right. Not necessarily, it's not the driver. That's right. And I say, you know what? Real estate takes eight to 10 months usually to react positively or negatively on an economic factor. So, eight to 10 months, interesting. Yeah, okay. so if we did get a new government that would, which you know, would have helped Alberta, then we wouldn't have seen it change overnight. There would have been optimism, but to actually and see optimism change, does go a long way. Yes, but optimism, buying buying behavior is still buying behavior. That's right. So it takes time for people to see this for a period of time. People want to say, okay, we have a new government, or we have a new cancer clinic, or we have you know five tech companies, or Amazon just moved here. But what does that equate to? And in an eight to ten month cycle you will really see kind of the proof in the pudding, so to speak. Okay. But interesting, we need a major event or some type of significant change, and then we still need the runway of eight to 10 months. That's right. And unfortunately, I, I don't see that big watershed moment or that change coming up. So That's right. And, I was and, curious. I was always yeah. hoping there's another perspective or yeah. the fundamentals are at the root of all this. Yeah. And I, you know what, as much as I say I'm a realist and, you know, my projections maybe aren't great for the next four years, you know, we, we just got through four years. We're, we're sitting here, you and I still have our companies, you know, and these down markets, my husband, Chad said, babe, the books and the movies weren't written and filmed because the times were always good. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so these are the markets and the times where we become more self-aware, more conservative, more innovative, And we take a real inward look at ourselves and our businesses, things like, okay, well, what is important to us? What do we need? You know, do we need to buy this? Do we need to consume this? Do we need to go there? And so you always, you know, kind of look at your bottom line. Well, I should say maybe not always. Now you're looking at your bottom line with a little bit, um, um, you know, clear lens because you have to adjust to the times because if you don't, you will close your doors. 
Absolutely. And we've seen that in Calgary, yeah. like the rising tides. There was a lot of boats in Calgary that I think had been lifted up yes. that maybe weren't the most customer centric or the most service oriented or, but the businesses that are left, they're still thriving. There's still companies doing really well that's in the right. city, yeah, there but are. they're doing good work. That's right. And they put the customer first and like those fundamentals, you're yes. right in a, in a money's flowing down the streets environment. Sometimes businesses stick around longer than maybe they should. That's versus right. Versus the right now, the self, the selection process is a little bit more fierce. That's and, right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm okay with that. I am too. Sharpen your pencil. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? As my mother says, this too shall pass. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Touche. Uh, the grandmother and mother quotes. So, um, words of advice as, as a successful, mm-hmm. you know, voice of a powerful woman who's done incredibly well and, and, and multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Any advice for people listening today? Male or, male or female? You know, yeah, good, good no, advice is good advice. Yeah, that's right. Um, I would say believe in yourself because if you don't, you can't expect anyone else to. And I, and I, I've, I've been very lucky. And again, I'm using that word blessed that I always had parents that believed in me, but that old saying, you are the average of the top five people you surround yourself with. I've always surrounded myself with people who believe in me and who are, are my biggest advocates. And I've put people in the tickle trunk, meaning I've put people put put people away that, that aren't there for me and aren't going to help um, my success. They don't see my vision. They don't believe in me. They're not supporters because I don't need that. And so I've always believed in myself. I'm not saying there. I don't have doubt. I don't have fear. Um, I don't have pain. I'm a human. Of course I do. Um, sometimes on a daily basis. But I still believe in myself. I still believe in the person that I am, who I've become, my abilities that I have. And so it's it's a really cool place to be in and so i i would i would preach that you have to believe in yourself to get others on the same page uh, surround yourself with the people who are your biggest supporters because those people will um, help take your business and your life to the next level. You never want to be the smartest person in the room. You want people around you that elevate you, that can um, give you the the help and assistance and the support that you need when you can't give it to yourself. And so I've aligned myself with people in my life that that do that for me and that are supporters of me. I think it's so incredibly important, and I think you such a gift to be to be raised in a, an environment where you, where they help support and give you that self confidence. Mm-hmm. And I know I meet a lot of people like I didn't I wasn't in that environment. I really struggle with self confidence. But I think what you said the second part was surrounding yourself with with people and sometimes making hard decisions about putting people in the tickle trunk. <laughs> At first, it's like where is she going with the tickle trunk? That's where I keep my weird Halloween costumes yeah, right? or party yeah. outfits. Add your old friends yeah, that yeah, can you know, support you. Uh, Bye-bye. Yeah, but surrounding yourself with the right people that yes. lift you up and yeah. also sometimes go, hey, whoa, that thing you just did, let me point. Because they don't always lift you up. Yes. Sometimes they point out your and blind sometimes spots. Sometimes they're honest with you and, and they the say, value. you know, you know, maybe you should have done this differently or did you look at it this way? Or, oh, you know, I'd maybe think twice about saying that to that person or, you know, um, but really that it's is just, huge value. It is. It's life. huge value. You want honesty, not just the fluff. And, uh, you know, and, and I also have like this amazing supportive husband and I know you have an amazing wife. Fiona, I do. I do. And, and I, I sense Makes my that. life better every I know, day. I know. I sense day. that. I love you too. You guys are such a great couple together and I've found my person and, um, Chad is such a great supporter of me. He's always there for me. He's always there to stand by me when I've had issues or have problems. He's willing to talk through them with me. And so having a spouse that is 
um, your number one fan is so huge because especially in my business, Tyler, I say I bring people together and help people come apart. And so I've dealt with a lot oh, of divorce, you know, a lot of yeah. divorce and, and I am currently today, this morning even, and it saddens me because I, I found my person and I can't imagine not being with him just like you can't with Fiona, right? Like, I don't even, it would make me shudder to even I consider know, the concept. that's right. And so we're both very blessed that we found our person. And yes, so having absolutely. that big well support said. is um, not only on the friendship side and the mentor side, but on the spouse side, I, I feel has made me a better mother, a better realtor, a better business owner. And so I'm, I'm very lucky. It makes all the difference. And I'll have a blatant plug because I would consider your husband a friend of mine. Yes. Check out episode number three <laughs> if they just get it. He was one of my first because I was a bit nervous and I had yeah. him on the show. We had a great chat and I got to yeah. know him like a, yeah. a lot more deeply and really understanding his yeah. background and his roots. And now to, as I get to know both of you more, I'm like, it, it makes sense. I see, yeah. see the fit. And I see how much, if you guys can see how much you're glowing right now yeah. talking about it. But it does make who you surround you, you know, those, those things you like get, a, you know, learn, expose yourself, travel, surround yourself with really great people all those things you learn when you're younger they're all true it's so, in it, spades it, it is and I say to people you know because people from the outside might look in and say oh she knows so many people or she has so many friends she's so lucky and exactly <laughs> and I correct people and I say I have very few friends and many acquaintances because friendships take time to foster and care for and nurture and when you're a busy person like we all are we're all yes. busy doing different things I can only contribute so much to so many people. And I, so I actually pride myself on that. You will never find 50 people at my birthday party. You will never find me traveling with, you know, a massive group of people. Uh, You won't have me uh, having, you know, 30 people over for Friday night for dinner. I'm very selective in who I spend my time with and it's by choice. I think that's a powerful lesson. It's not about volume, it's about quality. And the older I get, the more I value that statement, 100%. Yeah, I saw it was a, it was a meme or something. And someone was it was uh, Heath Ledger, and they said, "Well, how many friends do you have?" And he corrected. He goes, "I don't have a, I have very few friends, but I have a lot of acquaintances." I just yeah. saw that oh, last okay. week. Oh, it was wow. almost exactly what you wow. just said. Yeah. And he kind of leaned into the mic and smirked. It was just a photo, and it made me think of that. You're right. When you're younger, you're in high school, like, "Oh, these are all my friends," yes. and then every year it just gets it gets narrower but deeper. Yes, and that depth that's what I want. Yeah, and, and it's okay. And you like, have to invest time. You do. Friend, true really friendships take time, and and it doesn't mean I don't like my acquaintances or, you know, I, I don't, no, they're just I don't categories. call them a they're friend. Just in different it categories. just means I don't talk to them every week. I don't see them every week. My friends, I talk to every day, every day, my two besties every day. It, it doesn't. And when I don't talk to them, I leave them a voice message or vice versa. Like we are committed to each other and each other's success. We're there to pick each other up and uh, committed to each other's success. I think mm-hmm. that's so powerful to take yeah. that lesson away. If you don't have, you're thinking, if you're listening right now and you go, who in my life is committed to my success? Mm-hmm. Take inventory. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that in a cold way. No. Like, that's why I love you. You held it to tickle trunk because yes, it's over there, yeah. but it's still not negative. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a clear line. Yes. It's hard to do. I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. And, and I think too, because my life has evolved and mentorship is such a huge part of my life. I give up my, t- I give of my time there. So instead of getting together to have surface level conversations with acquaintances, I choose to not meet with those people, but, but take a mentorship role because that fulfills my soul. And I'm not, that's why, you know, people assume I'm an extrovert. I'm actually, I think they call it an omnivert. Okay. Well, this is a new term. I think so. Tell me more. Well, so I, 
I love talking. You know that. I do know. That's why I you do. had me here. <laughs> and, I didn't and think I, this was going to be a challenging <laughs> yeah, interview. <laughs> yeah. And I can talk. I love public speaking, which is also very odd, but I love public speaking. And, um, but when I go home and my weekends after I've worked Saturday, I have a rule. I work a half day Saturday and I don't usually work Sundays. I like to just be at home with my family, uh, quiet. I like quiet. I like reading before bed. I like listening to podcasts when I get up. And so when I'm at work, I'm at work and you get a hundred percent of me. But when I'm home, it's like, let me do my thing. And so I do have this very extroverted part of me, but Chad and I were talking about this. He's like, no, I, I'd actually agree. There is this kind of introverted part of you where I just want to cuddle on the couch with my, my girls. I don't want to answer my phone. I want to be left alone. I want to spend time with my family. And so I, I am, I would say still 75% extrovert, but I do really like to smell the roses and I do like my quiet time and I do like to read and I do like to pray. And so it's not like Tanya is on 24-7, even though that's what people may see. Well, and I think that's important to share because it's so easy to look at one-dimensional and go, mm-hmm. well, no, yeah, this is me here, but I have this other version. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. I, I Similar, I'm just recognizing so much of what you're saying. And Saturday night, Fiona's like, oh, do you want to go out? I'm like, I just want to stay yeah, home. Let's I just, just want to just stay chill home. Out. It's okay. I don't even want to go out for dinner. No, I I'm mean, like, let's just make some food yeah. and hang out. I, I recently bought an Instant Pot. It's, Ooh, it's amazing. Yes, it, I have one. I don't it use changed it, my, It changes one. my life. <laughs> I, I'm the one who cooks now. I'm like, Fiona, just pick whatever you want. I'll cook it. Something about using this tool. Oh I don't know gosh. what it is. I wouldn't call myself the cook in the house by any stretch. But the Instant Pot seems to be oh, my, I need my to jam. I some recipes from you then. Because I bought it like six months ago and I think I've used My mom used it. Okay. I could definitely send you a few recipes that are easy, yes. 15, 20 minutes, and they're done. I get to be on a done. podcast and get instant pot recipes. This is a day. This is, and this is the first. This is the first. This is awesome. Um, last question, or maybe a couple, but you mentioned reading. What are you reading right now? Oh, my gosh. What's on Tanya's book? I, I'm actually Nightstand. reading a lot. Um, so, I, odd story, someone dropped Educated in My Mailbox by Tara Westover. Okay. And in my office mailbox. I took it to Israel with me. I just got back from Israel and I left it at the first hotel room. So that was upsetting. So I've actually downloaded that. I just finished a book called Giftology. It's amazing. Okay. Giftology. Recipes, Um, book plugs. This is great. Yeah. um, I just started a book on parenting. (laughs) Okay. You sound like you're a little bit ADD book reader. I got it. Yeah. Um, I just finished, I know, I just finished a really amazing political thriller called uh, The Red Notice. True story. I love The Red Notice. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Didn't that blow you away? It it, blew me away. Isn't it amazing how it's like two books in one? Like you read the first half of the book, you're like, okay, and then the second book, it changes into this whole other story. It makes me not want to go to Russia and open up a business. It made... If you haven't read it, it's a very, it's like a biography, but written like a novel. It oh is my gosh. My wife has a book club oh, and okay. that was their book club book about a year ago. And I saw it on the table and I was like, this is interesting. So I picked it up and I actually guest hosted that book club of my wife's, this group of amazing ladies because it was Red Notice because I was so intrigued oh, by it. Oh yeah. Great read. Really good reference. Yeah. So, um, and then I just. Um, we're, we're so lucky where we live. Yeah. Just going to say, put oh, that Oh my there. gosh. No, we are so lucky where we live. And so, yeah, so I have, like, oh, I usually cool. have two or three books on the go. That's fantastic. Because, and, and they all give me something different. Some make me think. Some are just easy. I love biographies, really into biographies. So, So inspiring. Yeah. yeah. So I know that you said this, so I'll, I'll say this maybe with an asterisk. If someone wants to reach out or get in touch with you, I know you do mentorship. Mm-hmm. I know you're very um, re- responsible with your time and very mm-hmm. selective with your time. Is there a good way for someone to connect connect with you? I'm sure you're very inspiring. Oh, uh-huh. well, thanks. So, and you... To be able to impact people around you, it's a gift. 
like you like you said, is there a good way for people to reach out to you if they're sitting here just dying to talk with oh, you? Oh yes. Well, I would say email because I always respond right away to email. Not that I don't to text, but if if someone is engaging me because they need something, then I really get to do it on my own terms versus okay. giving me a call. And I'll always respond right away, but it may be, "Hey, I've received your email. I really appreciate it. Um, I'll get back to you within the next week and we can discuss maybe more what you're looking for if it's something I think I can help you with. When I meet with people, I try to have a very clear plan of why we're meeting because it's an hour of my time, which is precious, and that person's time, which is precious. And so I I don't want to meet just for the sake of meeting. And I've actually made that mistake so many times before I, I started asking, what is the purpose of our meeting? And before... I would meet with that person and say that was a waste of an hour and 10 minutes because I, if I would have known, I could have actually said, I can't help them, you know, or it, it's not a good use of our time. It's not my field or whatever the case it, is. It's just also very respectful for all parties Yes, involved. and theirs as well because they're yeah. taking an hour of their time when maybe even though they're in between jobs, they could be spending time with their kids. They could be at the gym. They could be looking for a job. It's all about desired outcomes. That's I'm right. a big believer of like exactly. art- articulated outcomes. That's right. And, and sometimes, you know, I had a fellow contact contact me. He's a new realtor and he wanted to meet to pick my brain. I'm meeting with another gal today that's moved to Calgary. She wants to pick my brain. But I, I've, I've had to put some of the people off because I've, I've said, look, I can't meet for two weeks. Contact me in two weeks and we'll see if we can, you know, devise a plan. And uh, I do believe of being respectful of people's time and I'm no different if I want to meet with somebody. So with that said, thank you so much for meeting with me today. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. Me, I was really looking forward to chatting with someone I already knew, uh-huh. but getting to know them a, a, a lot more. So. Uh, well, I'm a big fan of yours as well. I've, oh, I well, very thank you. much... Oh, thank you. That warms res- my heart. No, thank you. No, it's true. You've built a very successful marketing business. You're very respected. Anyone who uh, your name has ever been mentioned has only very positive things to say about you. No. And so the, the, the feeling is mutual. Oh, that warms my heart. Tanya, what a wonderful way to start today. Thank yes. you for the conversation. And thanks for having me, Tyler. It was my pleasure. Hello, and thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. I want to let you in on a little secret. I absolutely love doing these podcasts. The learning, the people, the curiosity, the insights, the the wow factor of meeting people that I thought I knew and learning their deeper stories really proves the value of what happens when you take the time to be curious and actually care enough to ask. With that, I'm looking for your feedback. I'm looking for your input. I'm looking for what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, where you'd like to see it headed in terms of guests, in terms of questions, a little bit deeper, please feel free to share. We'd love to get your feedback. Visit us on iTunes, on Spotify. Give us your review. Give us your five stars if you feel so inclined. But more importantly, give us your feedback. Give us your input on what you want to hear on future shows, and we will absolutely incorporate it. Thank you again for listening, and have an awesome day.